With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey guys, this is such a fun episode for me because I get to talk with my best friend, the Zach Allen. Hey guys. (laughs) He's probably one of our most popular guests. Everybody wants to hear from him. So anyway, this is going to be a great episode, especially for those of you who have been through a dark season or your spouse is going through a dark season or somebody you're close to and love, because we're going to talk about really what it looked like for Zach to walk through just a pretty intense season of depression. I want to start, though, by talking about the book, because in the book, I talk about an 18-month season where I was waking up a lot, which wasn't all that uncommon. But how were you experiencing me in that time? And when did you get worried? I never got worried to the degree that probably I should have. I probably minimized what was going on, much like you did. You gave me hints. You did share doubts. You did share mm-hmm. that I do remember uh, that. that they were happening more and more. You, you were more often asking me to pray over you. And so there was a sense I could tell that you were more fearful of the dark and you were fearful of your thoughts in the middle of the night. But at the same time, I don't think I've, I fully realized no. the level of pressure you felt, the, the fact that this was now shaping your thoughts during the daytime yeah. as well. Yeah. And I do remember asking you a few times, like, just, are you sure that it doesn't go to black? And I, I think I was letting you into those thoughts as much as I knew I was having them. I don't think until it got really dark and I got, I developed some pretty intense fears, did I begin to confess and, and admit how long it had been going on? Well, I'll, I'll go back to your statement the evil longs to go unnoticed. That's kind of how we would sum up that season when we were talking about your doubts. You have the 60,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> uh, and so I just assumed that. That was part of the 60,000 and not a dominating yeah. uh, majority of those thoughts. And I think it started that way and it became more. Do you see a difference in me now? Oh, for sure. There's a freedom and a security and a confidence and a steadiness and a hopefulness. And in many ways, I say I got my Jenny back because uh, God has given you a big faith, believing that he can do anything. There was a sense of the, that I lost that. I lost that in you during that season. There's something that happens on the backside of Mm. going through darkness is that when you go there and you find that God is still there with you in those times, that when he brings you out, all of a sudden it's it's like you've gone to war with God and he's carried you out of the battle and there is a real security in who he is and his love for you. That's the wife that I got back on the backside yeah, of this. I, I think that's true. I was at If Gathering and, and Beth Moore was there and she looked at me and she just said, I, I think you'll fight other things in your life, but I don't think you'll ever fight doubt again. I think that's true. I think on the other side of this, there is more of a clarity and a steadiness that I walk through a valley 
you know, I think Pilgrim's Progress does such a good job of explaining it. It just was such a part of my journey of just walking through that season. I really don't think I'll go back there. I think it was something I passed through, but it's not something that'll have power over me again. Okay, next question. When you read the book, what was your response? I know you, you cried. I mean, I saw you that day, but I haven't, we haven't really talked about it. Well, so I don't feel like that I can remember one time of reading the book because I was involved yeah. in the book the whole way. And so uh, I would read pieces of it at a time. What I could remember is that this was a message and this was a topic that I think my wife is maybe the most helpful human being on the planet to help people walk through this because you have so many thoughts. That means you've probably thought every thought that any of the listener or the readers have thought, and you have the ability to put language to those thoughts that people have never taken time to do or have the ability to do. You were giving people a language to talk about what was in their head, and I thought, oh, this is so helpful. And then secondly, not only were you giving them a language, you were combining how God has wired our brains and then uh, just really, really helpful tools that we can utilize to take our thoughts captive. And so big picture, how did I feel? What you have always said, Jenny, is don't let me put another book on the shelf. Yeah. And, and so part of my job has been to help ensure that that doesn't just happen. It's got to be helpful. I want mm-hmm. God to really use it. You've promised and- me if you ever read something and you're like, this is not helpful. It actually is my <laughs> fault. It has nothing to do with well, Jenny and writing the words. You just promised you'd shut it down, which I, I, will, I appreciate. I will, I will shut it down. So so there's, there's books that are memoirs, and then there's books that are, are really helpful tools. And I think Get Out of Your Head is actually both a combination mm-hmm. of memoir and helpful yeah. tool. Yeah. And I think that's because I needed it personally. And the practical handles that I got to crawl out myself, I think are, are resonating. Okay, let's go. Let's talk about this dark season for you because I know that you don't talk about this very much. We are those people that do the counseling, we do the work, and then we kind of move forward and live our lives. And so this is this is actually, I'm really excited to kind of hear you years later process this season. So I guess begin with just what that season looked like for you of depression, where it came from, and how long it lasted. Yeah, so... We'd been in Austin for, I guess, five years. We were five years into um, planting the church and uh, in Austin and, and me pastoring. And I think you had told me that you sensed that I was tired, uh, but I don't think that I had admitted that. And the truth is, is that when, when God has given you a mantle of leadership to pastor, it really doesn't matter how tired you are. You just you just have to lead. And so I don't know that I, I gave heed to your words, uh, but what happened on the backside, we merged our church with another church in Austin. It was a, a great win-win uh, between two churches coming together. And I gave my last sermon and, and stayed on as campus pastor, but effectively handed over uh, the mantle of leadership to another church. Uh, and what I didn't see coming on the backside of that was a crash, uh, a burnout type crash. And so that looked like for me, uh, this place, if, uh, the way that I could describe it is it felt like that uh, one, all my faculties just fell. So it felt like my brain broke. And uh, the way I can describe it, the scene is I felt like that I was sitting on the bottom of a murky lake, 
looking up to the surface, but there was nothing that I could do to get to that surface. And so what all I could do is look to my right and my left. It was like I could, for the first time, because I hadn't been there, I identified, oh, this is when I'm pastoring people who are depressed. Like, that's where they are too. And the only thing that you can think when you're down in the bottom and you're looking up is, I don't care. And so making destructive decisions, it doesn't matter the consequences because you are not concerned about that. And so that's what depression, that's what burnout looked like for me. And I didn't see it coming. It hit me all of the sudden. Yeah. And what it felt like for me was watching you just be gone. It was like I was sleeping next to you. You were in the house, but you were emotionally gone. Your personality was gone. Your capacity to care about us really was gone. And it was really scary because it actually happened during a season where right after the church merged, I was given the opportunity to write for a publisher for the first time, which was a little bit of a surprise. It wasn't something that we'd worked really hard to see happen. And so it kind of fell into our lives. And then Cooper was adopted that same year. And so our whole worlds were kind of spinning out. And so I remember being really scared, but I remember having a lot of grace and compassion. And I I don't remember taking it personally because I, I think, one, you weren't mean during that time and you weren't making bad decisions. Like, although it was possible and you understand how people did, God really spared you from drinking a lot or or just coping in a lot of the ways that that you could have. And so I did feel, I don't know, I felt strangely protected during that season, even though it was really lonely and hard. But I was just so worried and I was so afraid that I didn't know how to help. And I think God made it clear to me early on that I couldn't help. I could support you, but I think where... I'm grateful for either, I don't remember anybody telling me this, but I remember just knowing if my happiness is attached to his right now, like we'll sink. And just to kind of give you space, I guess, to go through that. It was long. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long do you think Mm -hmm. it was? Yeah. So I would, I would call it, um, nine months of intense depression. And I would say that there were three stages of that. There's more to the story that we'll get to, but the three stages are really an I don't care stage. And so for three months, that's all I could say is I don't care. And I was just a dud. I was, it was a nothing. Uh, And then through the help of a great Christian psychiatrist, Uh, who put me on some medicine to help me surface to kind of to get from the bottom to the surface of that of that murky water it went from a season of i don't care to a season of now i care but my brain still was broken uh didn't feel like that i was back to myself but there wasn't this sense of this is going to be what my life is like forever and so i'd say there was three there were three months of i care And so after that three months, there were just glimpses of maybe Zach's back. And when I say Zach's back, it, my brain broke. And so I, I couldn't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. I couldn't look people in the eyes. I would avoid people. Time out. You got to understand my husband. If you don't know him, if you've never met him, he is one of the most outgoing people in the world. I've never met someone that doesn't like him. (laughs) He is 
just joyful and he is fun and he is thoughtful. He's a pastor. I mean, he's pastored so many different people through so many things. He's still, even though he's not by title a pastor any longer, he pastors many, many people I love in life. And so it, it was so drastically different. And and I want to say too, to those of you that are walking through a season like this or or you're someone you love is is it it still was gradual. You say it was nine months. I feel like it was a few years because I watched you be, you know, when I say during a season you were tired, you you weren't yourself, mm-hmm. I would say, a few years before that. Now, you weren't red alert, depressed, but but it was, we saw it coming. It wasn't just all of a sudden to me. I mean, in my experience of you. Do you agree with that? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I didn't self-reflect because I was leading. Yeah, right? I was you couldn't just, stop. You no. couldn't be... No, in I, that place, yeah. I, I couldn't stop, and so whereas we talked about kind of a a, a nine month restoration, there's a there's a real difference in in who I am today, and you know when I was kind of down at the bottom of that that lake that that murky lake, I I still did ask God. I said, God, I don't know what I've done to get here. Uh, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. Maybe it's forever. That was a big fear. You, um, you talked about that a lot. Yeah. Like, and I don't I, know if I'll ever be the same. And so, and, and maybe the most hopeful encouragement that somebody gave to me during this season is, Zach, I don't know how long this will be, but I can promise you, you'll be out of this one day. Yeah. Those words were the only thing that I had to hold on to because yeah. I'd never been here before and I couldn't imagine ever getting out. It was like you were okay that it was happening, but the panic would set in. And you talked about that a lot during that season. Uh, and you would reflect on people like, I think they never, they got depressed and they never came out. Like you would notice that. That was just yeah. your biggest fear. You're yeah. like, I'm okay to go through this if yeah. it's a season, even if it's yours. But I'm not okay if this is my new life. And so there was a real desperation and I would say work and intentionality in your life to find that healing. It wasn't something that just happened overnight it wasn't it certainly wasn't and I want I've said this to you guys again and again and again but I want you to hear it from our our lives and our story that this was a multi-level approach this wasn't just faith or Mm -hmm. thinking your way out of depression I mean this was a psychiatrist that helped you with medicine over I would say over the course of years that medicine didn't trail off in nine months that medicine I mean you're not on it any longer but it was years that you were and then also counseling and pastoral leadership in your life of people that have been through it. Yep. You sought out books. You sought out leaders. You sought out friends. You were so intentional. Now, in that season where it was really, really dark, where you said, I don't care, there were times I didn't, you didn't ask for I mean, right. th- that season was different. And I want to I wanna differentiate because some of you are in it. And I just, I think it's helpful what Zach's saying about the different stages of it. So in that season, I really felt like I was screaming like not screaming but inside screaming Mm -hmm. just saying you've got to get help like Mm -hmm. you cannot stay here because I was scared I was Mm -hmm. scared of how dark you were yeah so I think I think as friends of people walking through that you've got to be advocates for them and as people walking through it you've got to believe that there's a different way and yes it may take medicine it may take multiple medicines it may take counseling and years of that it may Mm -hmm. take many people holding you up but there there is hope yeah, it feels like so the people that you're uh, so when you're depressed, the people that you're looking for 
are people who have also gone through depression and who have suffered deeply. So it feels like that everyone else is shallow, that they haven't experienced like the depth of pain. And the only people that feel helpful are the people that can identify with you during that. That's not necessarily right, but that's how you feel in the midst of that. And I had two books that were my companions. One was a diagnostic tool, and it was the book is called Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero. And what Wayne did is Wayne went through a a season of burnout uh, similarly. And what he did was he listed the symptoms. He listed the symptoms of kind of risk factors and symptoms. And if you have these symptoms and you identify this and you you can make course corrections, but if you don't make course corrections, uh, you're going to go through a crash. And so that book was really helpful to help me know that I wasn't crazy because I saw these symptoms and it was something that a man that I had respected uh, had listed. And so, so there was also this question of where is my sin in this? And you, you recall the, the story of Job and his three friends, and they're trying to explain why all of this pain and suffering happened to Job. And, uh, and thankfully, I didn't have any of those friends that were uh, really looking for sin or hidden sin and the cause of this. But I was asking the question of God, if, if, where is my sin in this, if, if any, uh, because I want to be right with you and I want to grow. Like I never want to be back in this position again. And I, and whatever you want to teach me in this, I I really want to learn again. I didn't want to be that guy that lived his life on the backside of depression and kind of was a shell of himself. I wanted, I felt like that God had given me horsepower for the kingdom and and I, I wanted to get everything out of depression that I could as weird as that kind of sounds. And so so the first book was Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero, a great diagnostic tool. And the second book was where I found my answer when I asked God, where is my sin? The book is called Christians Get Depressed Too by pastor that was from Northern Ireland that pastor a church. His name's David Murray. He's actually a seminary prof here in the United States now. It's a 60-page booklet because depressed people can't read a lot. But what David did in that, because he had been pastoring in Northern Ireland where there's not a lot of sunshine, and he dealt with a real high uh, depression rate uh, among his congregation, and he said, Zach, or he didn't say Zach, but it was like he was talking <laughs> he was. to me. Yeah, that book was by our bed for uh, a year. I, he was my companion. Thank you. Yeah. I've never, I, I actually have gotten a chance to thank him personally. What David said was, he said, you know, when people come to me and they're depressed, it is rarely ever their gross, obvious sin that got them into depression. He said, what led most of people into depression 95% of them is a lack of self-care. And when he said that, where he was backing that up with, he said, the sin that we don't realize as uh, people on this side of Genesis 3 is that we have denied the theology of the fall in Genesis 3. Mm. That when Adam fell, all of his faculties fell. Mm. And he couldn't do everything all the time for everybody. And we now live, even though 
we're new creatures in Christ, we still have that fallen body. We still have a fallen mind. We still have mm. fallen emotions. And for the first time, I recognized that as a, as a pastor, the, when I thought of self-care before, I thought it was selfish. Uh, because yeah. what my all I did was think about everybody else. I thought about pastoring them. And so the last thing that I would think of doing is Sabbathing well and taking care of myself. And what that was, my sin was, is that it was the denial of the theology of the fall. And so that was the first time that someone gave me language that really resonated my soul with what was going on and how did I get here. really emotional listening to all this because we don't talk about this anymore and you've come so far you're a whole different human you are one of the happiest people i know you are the rock of our family you are steady you have been the person who pushes me out the door to go do the work for the kingdom with joy our kids adore you you've been such a present father and i just i feel like this is part of what made you who you are. And, and I hope that anybody listening doesn't feel discouraged or pressure to fix something, but they feel hope that this could be something that shapes their lives because you are so tender. And I don't, I wouldn't use that word to describe you before. Like that wasn't, tender was not who you were. And our kids have this dad that they just, even though they're, you know, Kate's 18, she'll just crawl up in your lap and like put her head on your shoulder and has a nickname for you because she feels so safe with you. And I think a lot of that safety has come from your struggles. Yeah. So I just, I mean, again, we are not the big reflectors. <laughs> we kind of move forward in life. So this is really sweet to, to think back to that and how hard it was. It really was dark mm -hmm. and scary. I want you to talk, you're such a pastor, I want you to talk to the men that are listening because I promise you, a lot of men, you're, you got stuck, uh, your wives forwarded this to you because they're afraid that maybe you're in burnout or you're not yourself. And so why don't you talk to them a little bit, the men that might be spiraling or circling, kind of just a season where maybe it's not as dark, where that's mm -hmm. it's obvious, but maybe it's that precursor where they just feel checked out and mm -hmm. numb. Yeah, and... and there's a myriad of reasons that people go through depression, whether there's chemical reasons, there's circumstantial reasons, there's, there's seasonal things. There are things that are happening inside of you. There are things happening outside of you. There are things happening at you. Uh, and so whatever that reason, like that's not for us to control always. Here's what I, I, I learned about myself uh, in that is that the idol that I had that God went to work with during depression. He, he went to work with my idol of performance because I could no longer perform. Uh, my brain broke, everything broke. I had to ask the question in, in those depths that God, if you never restore me, if you never bring me back to who I was, my ability to interact with people, to speak publicly, just to do my job well, uh, what if that never happens? Do I believe that you are still there that you're still good and that you love me. And if my answer is yes, and my answer actually was yes, then what happened on the backside of depression when God did restore me is all of a sudden 
I became so much more dangerous for the kingdom because I'm still a fallen man, but but I don't struggle in the same way with an idol of performance that I used to. So uh, there's there's this kind of this freedom of I don't have anything to prove and anything to lose, and so it's so much easier for me to celebrate and cheer you on because. What if the greatest calling of my life is to shepherd my wife so she can shepherd thousands of others? That's the greatest calling of my life, to be a pastor of my home and to shepherd you. And what if that's all? That's enough. That's enough. That's more, that's more than enough. And so it was this, this, this gospel identity took root. I just root. feel like I need to tell y'all that I'm bawling <laughs> because it is. It's still something I won't ever get over that you are that way. You live this way day in and day out. And it's part of the provision to do everything that I do because of your security yeah. and that it was birthed in that, you know? So, so what I did, Jenny, I read one chapter of scripture for nine months. It was the only chapter that I read. It was Lamentations 3. And the prophet Jeremiah is the first 20 verses lamenting. He is talking about his enemy at all sides. And kind of, if you remember David talking about his bones wasting away, just this anxiety and depression of, I'm trying to be a mouthpiece to Israel to call them back to the Lord and they're not listening. And it was just this breaking point and this honesty of Jeremiah and Lamentations 3. And it was like all hope was lost and he was getting to the end. He says in verse 17, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. And, and that's how I felt. And I, I, I know that there are listeners, male and female, that are feeling verses 17 and 18 of Lamentations 3. But you get to verse 21. And this is why I had to read this every day for nine months. Verse 21, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And when you're in depression, you can't think of anything beyond that day. And so my prayer was just as the Israelites prayer in the desert was when they were wandering, what was manna? It was their portion. God saying, trust me, you're going to wake up and you're going to have me and I'm going to provide for you. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will trust in him. And so that was what every day felt like. I couldn't get past one day. It was just one day. I, my, my encouragement, maybe for some, is uh, start committing Lamentations 3 to memory or just, just reading it uh, because it's, it's honest. It's the prophet, but it's bringing us back to the hope of God's not abandoning us. He's there with us. He still loves us. And his love never ceases. I want you to encourage the spouses out there or the friends of people that are going through this just because I think 
you know, some people are listening and they don't know what to do and they feel helpless. Like, what would you encourage them to do? Yeah. So, so what happens when you're in this season is you have so little confidence in yourself to make decisions of knowing what to do. You have to find someone to trust. And literally it's like you're reaching out your hand and say, take my hand and I will go where you go because I have more confidence that you can take me there than I can take me there. And so for me during that time of depression was uh, Kevin Peck, lead pastor at the Austin Stone. And he was the one that would keep saying to me, Zach, I promise you this is going to end. This will not be forever. And it was amazing how comforting and hopeful those simple words were. Kevin didn't know it wasn't going to last forever, but those (laughs) words were so powerful for me. Um, I love Kevin forever because of how he pastored you through that. And I think we needed some people that didn't put shame around it, that just, you know, it was like a matter of fact, like, yep, we've seen this before. You're going to be okay. Let's go. And they introduced you to the psychiatrist. Like these pastors pastored you. And if pastors are listening, and I hope they are, you all can be the greatest shepherds of people to give them the resources, to give them the connections, have a great Rolodex of counselors and psychiatrists handy because there is a limit. I mean, we've got to view these struggles as physical, emotional, spiritual. We cannot attack one without the others. We've got to to do it all. And so, and I want to encourage you, I know this is going to feel a little bit off right here, but a huge part of this is start with a physical. I know that is crazy, but just start with a physical because you don't know what your hormones are doing. You don't know. There were so many things Mm -hmm. we learned in the process of the medical side of things that brought healing to you Mm -hmm. that if we hadn't had done the work of testing different things, I think we wouldn't have seen as much success with the other things. So just encourage you, like start with with your body, go to the emotions, deal with a counselor, find a great godly gospel-centered counselor, and then as well, you fight spiritually. And we've been talking, of course, on the entire podcast about this, but but we treat this threefold. It's not it's not one or the other. Yeah, I think on the backside of this, uh, one of the things I recognize is how integrated we are with our bodies, with our emotions, with our our souls. They're way more interdependent on each other. There was some healing that would not have been possible if I hadn't gone to the endocrinologist and and done all the blood work and done all those panels uh, to find out that I had some real deficiencies. Now, we don't know where all those deficiencies came from. That could have happened as a result of my season of depression, but the reality was is they were deficiencies. And so, so I needed to be under the care of, of an endocrinologist and a, and a physician. And so it was one of those that there are things that aren't under our control yeah. in depression, but there are things that are under our so control. Good. And whatever I can do to take action on the things that are under our control, that we might be able to use how God has gifted doctors and with medicine and with physical training and exercise. Yeah. uh, Those things. I just got to the place of going, my responsibility is to take care of what I control Mm -hmm. and what God wants to do on this, on this other side and, and spiritually 
and the to the degree that he restores me and who he makes me into on the backside like i'm going to trust him for that but it's your effort and still a dependence on what god's going to do mm. i mean this is so helpful i hope every single one of you will forward this to somebody struggling with depression with anxiety too i think a lot of these things are similar my hope is that you won't feel alone that whether you're walking through this with someone or you are walking through this yourself, that you will not feel alone. And if you feel alone, you don't have to reach out very far to find somebody struggling with this. This is rampant right now. And so find the people that have walked through it and found healing. Those people exist. You were so blessed by the the leaders and the people that spoke into your life because they'd been there. They gave you so much hope, whether it's through books, and we'll put all the links in, in the notes here, or whether it is through hopefully trusted friends as well. We are believers that you do not do anything in isolation. You always bring people in. And I'm so grateful for what God's done in our lives. And I say that not just about the healing, but about the darkness too. Mm -hmm. Because without the darkness, we are not who we are. I don't think we have a lick of empathy. I think we probably are arrogant, prideful people that, that don't see the world the way we see it. And I'm just so grateful that we've walked through seasons and that they've been years long, that they weren't just quick and over and hard for a little while. They were hard for a long time. And so I love that God does truly work all things together for good. And I can see that in your life tremendously. Zach, why don't you close it with prayer and pray for those people that are fighting right now that are in that the bottom of the lake and looking up and don't feel like they can get to the surface. God, thank you for being a steadfast God, a God who never fails, a God who never forgets, a God who never loves less, a God who sees right now, a God who hears right now, hears prayers, hears cries, and a God who is running with open arms to anyone who acknowledges their need for him. And so, God, for for those that are listening, for those who are spouses and friends and family of others who are in this dark season of burnout, depression, would they feel you running towards them? Would they experience your comfort and your embrace and your presence? I pray that they would seek out and find trusted friends, trusted companions, companions that may not have words, but companions that have presence and companions that have depth. Pray for those of us who have been here, who are here right now, that we would actually take one step that's in our control towards others. Thank you for for how you take us into these seasons and teach us in these seasons. Though we're not promised to come out of the season, we're promised of your presence. And thank you for showing us that that is enough, no matter what being in your presence is better than anything. It's better than life. And so we love you. Amen. If you have been looking for a place for your child or your family to go to summer camp, we hope that you would consider Pine Cove. We are big fans of summer camp over here. I personally worked at Pine Cove for two summers in college and can say confidently that Pine Cove campers and staff love Jesus. We are excited because Pine Cove gave us a special discount code just for you guys. If you go to pinecove.com youthcamp, 
Use the code Jenny250. You can get $250 off a first time overnight youth camp registration. Mm-hmm.